Hey everybody, I'm Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now before we get started, I'm sorry for the um, confusing bullshit that happened with the last Sunday Edition and the fact that it did not go out at all because I I was definitely ill and no, I was in no way in, in a way of being able to record a podcast. That has all led hilariously, to the derailment of spooky season, which means that I won't be doing my original scheduled programming, meaning all spooky stuff all the time for October. I'll be doing kind of whatever I've got in the tank, whatever I want to talk about, which is fine, but it's, but it's not what was planned in my, in my, in my heart to know that. And on, and on that, you have not listened to the previous previous episode about Parallel World Pharmacy. Pharmacy, did you go listen to that? It's out now. Um, I am now newly, completely undiseased, which is great. Um, but it, getting sick after thirty, whew, that that's a new one. Um, but on that note, I want to talk about something that happened. Um, at least that got announced that was happening. I want to say last week, or maybe the week before. But that is the death of Cartoon Network. And I don't want this to turn into necessarily a full-on anti-capitalist Alex thing. But I think this is more important than maybe... Not that anybody realizes, but than anybody's talking about. And... It's a big deal. So when I was growing up, it wasn't it wasn't really an option to watch tunes online. Streaming was not a thing in the nineties. It was just not a thing. Like like we internet and it was very different than it is now. Now, if that makes any sense. And your kind of exposure to te- to not just animation but television in general. Largely was largely was home video based, meaning meaning VHS VHS tapes and tapes and late um DVDs, or or later you had the most money in the world in the world um and I mean the most money the money in the world laser discs were fucking expensive hundred dollars a disc just for the disc not for the laser disc player, but for the most part if you were watching animation or certainly anime on a day-to-day basis you were sitting down at a period of time and you were con- you were consuming it with all the commercials and all the glory on television and if you watch anime to this day it's still designed around going on television at some point um one of the best examples of this right now is bleach bleach has eye catches in it it is so refreshing to watch Bleach and like feel the old school awesome anime-ness of Bleach because you see the eye catches. You see all this, the way that the show is paced and designed to be consumed in a traditionally broad format. And that, if I, if I had to, that's probably a huge part of the reason, reason why, um, Instead of starting its own streaming platform, I mean, obviously, money. 
Obviously, money is also a factor here. Instead of doing its streaming platform, when Vids wanted to make, wanted to make a like, place for all of its shows to, shows to stream, really, it didn't license stuff out. out. What it did was it did something called Neon Alley. Alley. If you're not familiar with what Neon Alley is, I have I have a bag from Neon Alley from the the years is um a strong con anime anime con um presence in like the the swag bags you got, but um Neon Alley was a all anime all the time TV channel basically, but it was streaming, so there was no way I think it was free. Or not very much money, and there was no way to not have ads in it. Like you always had ads in Neon Alley stuff, and what that ended up doing for shows like Bleach, for shows like Nana, for for shows that came about in the era of, of before streaming being the thing it is now, before the millions Crunchyroll subscriber, before HBO Max, before any of it was it was a it was a way for those shows for those shows air in their intended form and and also a fun thing i'm i'm sure for them to be able to get to program an all all anime and all on um it at at viz and if you if you want a modern day version of this you can go look at Retro Crush, which is um, a free streaming service. You can you can pay for it. I pay for it because I'm because I'm I do this as a ho- I do this as like as like a thing. So like, I'm like I'm just gonna pay just gonna pay for all things that can pump anime in my brain. In my brain, how that's gonna go in my life for forever. I'm very okay with that. But um, Retro Crush has a straight up anime channel. Like it it plays. With commercials, with programming, it's got like, and I think they do it through Pluto TV, if I'm not mis- mistaken, which is kind of like, do you want just TV? Do you just want TV? But like, through our streaming app, Pluto TV is here for you. We've got you. Um, but it feels kind of good to like just sit there and watch it, and like maybe watch like a block a block of marathon of 12 kingdoms and then see what happens next. Like it's, it's a fun thing. And what I'm trying to say here is that for many, 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 many quote unquote old Taku. And what I would classify as old Taku is people who have been watching anime for a, for at least in America and probably all over the world, all over the world for a decade, for over 10, over 10 years, for just long enough, was they they was they started watching anime? It was a it was a very different thing from when they, from 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 and actually probably, you would have to have to go further back than that. But anything, but if you talk to people who are around my age, age, um, a benefit sage, think think, any of the of the tribes, they're roughly my age age, think. Uh, um, cosplay fiend over on over on TikTok. We all have vivid memories of of like watching Dragon Ball after school. We all we all have memories of like sci- sci-fi channel late night. We all have vivid memories of like th- what it means to like watch the 
burgeoning anime scene kind of like come into TV, come onto TV in outside of Japan. And it, it, it slightly different for all of us because we're all like just a little off. Like if you can actually go listen to the uh, conversation I had about a lot of these things with um, Cosplay Fiend um, on this very podcast. I did a Sunday edition where I talked to him. And one of the reason I did that was because we're the same goddamn age. I think he's like, I think he's a year older than me. And so we just have a lot of the same taste. And, all, and also, hilariously, a lot of the same, same taste on anime. Anime, like, one of the best, the best parts about station that I love is, is talking about Akamiga Kill and being like, what the fuck is this show? What's happening? It's all the bad parts. Why did we get all the bad parts in one show? This is weird. <laughs> but, um, but, um, it's just, it, experiencing anything, anime, animation in general, but, general, but and specifically on television, television ed is a really fond memory of mine, of mine. And in specific, there are like very, very weak moments in there, like giant robot, robot week where they, Tsunami, where they used to air all these giant robot shows. They used to like do their damnedest. It used to be fun to attempt to watch episodes of Ava on giant robot week because like you never knew what they were going to show and you never knew how they were going to show it. But you knew it wasn't going to be what you wanted it to be. But you were still kind of like game for like, oh no, they're, they're doing God's work of trying to get Ava on before one o'clock in the morning for the one o'clock in the morning time slot where you can like show any of Ava. <laughs> and in specifically that allowed for weird pre-streaming pre stunts. Like if you've ever watched the show IGPX. Um, I think I've covered in this on this podcast. You can you can go in the feed, um, on what, on what using Whatcast app you're listening to me right now. You know, IGPX was an experimental three minute animation that like culminated to make up one whole show, one whole episode, and they put those three minute outs. They they put those three minute animations out, like they put them. They played them. They were like in this pro in this pro little slivers. So like if you if you didn't, you'd have to wait for them to come the fuck around, fuck around. Again. And and also they did weird things like they could they couldn't reason reasonably trust that pe people would be to Zoid's chaotic century, which looking back on it is wild because that show is a lot of fun. So what they ended up doing was, it, I think they ended up um, putting out Zoids, um, it's not, uh, the, the, the Zoids with BitCloud in it is the first Zoids I think I ever saw, and it ruled. It was awesome. That show only truly makes sense, like the rest of Zoids does, if you've watched the original Zoids, which is always chaotic century with Van and Fiona and all of them. But the like no future theme song, all that badassness, just the, the fun of it 
was a whole, a whole what ended up you realized when you when you heard interviews people from Toonami and people from Cartoon Cartoon Network. And I get the feeling that this became, became more and more what Cartoon Network deal was as they went on. It it was just people who loved these shows, who loved anime, who loved animation, trying their damnedest to get some shit on TV. <laughs> like making real fucking shady deals deals like Get in you, Yasha running, she'll running it at night for all of us to freak out and wake out and wake up. Ending of, um, which is which is was a um hilarious um meme on TikTok. So, it's like you don't know how much it hit all of us old Taku right in the center of our soul. Just just here. And like see somebody jolt awake because that that is the experience of that song for the first time for many of us in a real fucking incredible way. But the long and short of it is is I'm gonna break something to you right now is when you grow up and you don't have a lot of money, a lot of resources, you essentially grow up in a variant of the past. You you don't because we may not think about it, but like streaming streaming music, music, streaming kind of content, con- constant access, the technology to use it all use it all comfortably largely comes comes at a freak expense. I mean uh even even uh, Apple T V is around hundred and fifty bucks. If you don't have that, and, and you, you don't also, you probably definitely don't have a great streaming step otherwise. And so, what you end up, the place you end up with the old systems that have been that have been around time. You end up with this. You end up listening. End up listening to tapes in the CD era. You end up listening. End up listening in the MP3 era. You end up videotapes when DVDs exist. And the way I know this is this was very much a thing that happened when I was growing up. We didn't necessarily have a whole lot of money. And looking back on it, the pretty clear indicator of that was I had a Walkman instead of a CD player for a very long time. I watched videotapes well into my teens. (laughs) And... That's the reality of what it is. Like... Yeah, Crunchyroll's a seven dollar subscription, but if you're not, if your family isn't so well off, you, your mom is probably like, "Why would I pay for that?" Cartoon Network's on. Just like, I'll let you have the TV; you can watch it. And therein lies the problem. Cartoon Network going away eliminates eliminates actor of exposure. For a certain level of fan, for fans that maybe don't have, that maybe don't have the means independently to pay for Crunchyroll, maybe don't have the means independently to pay for much of much of, but what they do have is the family, the family cable subscription, and they and they get Cartoon Network work, and so much of what Cartoon Network, Cartoon Network had over the years is try try and broaden 
not with anime, but what an what animation people see. Um, Nickelodeon has a problem of like centering itself pretty severely. If you look at something like um, because it views anime as entertainment and everything that comes along with like the like gross entertainment industry and like old white guys being like you can't have a you can't have a you can't have a lesbian couple kiss on screen and we will not have the deeply fucking liberal agenda of something like Cora on our screens and if you look at if you look at the um I promise this is for a purpose if you look at the broadcast of Avatar The Last Airbender. Avatar The Last Airbender, they didn't know what it was going to, was going to be broadcast originally. What it turned in, into this massively popular, huge, huge deal, but at its core, it's a very, very... It's a pr pretty traditional show, especially by anime standards. That, that's why so many anime fans consider it in the same, same realm as something like Dragon Ball or any other shonen anime, because... It's, because it's, it's drawing its inspiration from that, from that aesthetically, but but like functionally and story wise, story wise. But then you look at something like Korra, like Korra, see what those ears would make when they had when the glove gloves were off. And if you if you watch watch Korra went yeah, I I know I did. The broadcast schedule of it kept getting real fucked up. And that was largely because they were doing things in Korra just somatically that Nickelodeon was not prepared to cash that check, baby. <laughs> like they were not prepared to like to like have these real conversations about censorship and about animation and about animation as a form and all this stuff. And that's why but they had, but they had fucked up, and the reason they fucked up was they greenlit them for four seasons at once. <laughs> so they had, to, they had to guarantee it would play somewhere. And for a while, I think for the last season, that guarantee, that guarantee, you get Nickelode Nickelodeon on baby. <laughs> that really upset people because it got harder to watch that show. It got really difficult to watch. Cora show that is that was doing ostensibly all the right things and like being like a show that was a show that teach kids about the world and like and like be a be the kind of show that High Guardians Guardian Spike be but couldn't pull off pull off that makes any sense like High if you if you if High Guardians Spice as I did because I was, I. I like sticking knives in my face sometimes. Um, that show really want, wanted to do something with like the sheer leftist liberalness that it pumped into the show, but it didn't know how to make it feel natural. It didn't know how to make it feel unpreachy, so it ended up feeling preachy. Whereas you watch something like Cora and. By the end of that show, when Korra and Asami straight up almost kiss, like, do the most they could allow. 
under Nickelodeon's watchful eye. That show, it, like, that feels earned. It feels honest. It feels natural. It feels like... It feels like you're not revealing much about the about the character. You're just be like be like, hey, this is happening. <laughs> and like all like all, it makes make sense world. I think Cartoon Network. And you look at Cartoon Network was doing way before that, that kind of shit. You look at what Cartoon Network was putting on screen. You look at what Cartoon Network was doing in like just this jokey cartoon. You look at something like Billy and Mandy, like the Grim Adventure, the Grim Adventure. That show was fucked up, fucked up. You look at Chowder, Chowder, nightmare fuel that Chowder was was capable of using. You look at Adventure Adventure Time, and like the conversations Adventure having about like puberty and about consent and about like like humanity and all this stuff. And you realize, kind of like, Cartoon Network got the game. Cartoon Network was really about animation as, and I say was because they are now, they're going out of business, was really about animation as an art form. It was about animation as a form of expression. And they were green lighting. And, and, and in that era, they were starting to green light and starting to lighten things that are... Not just formative for people for people growing up. That's certainly true, but also like the kind of exposure they were giving to viewers, like that that you could make something like Super Jail, that you could make something like Billy and Billy and Man, that so, that a big romantic romantic like Inuyasha didn't didn't just have, but was popular in America. It is crazy. You don't have, you don't have an anime bubble in the same way that we had the anime bubble. You don't have anime in a place that is as popular as it is now without Cartoon Network. You just don't. You don't, and you don't, and you don't have without any parts of it because, as much as we want to think like the blocks were too were too non Adult Swim. Stuff was bleeding out, like that. That in, the of that stuff would ble- would bleed out to to the earlier programming blocks, the less less mature programming block. You look at something like the like Gumball, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is this is doing its best to be anime esque." You look at something like um, Kid Next Door, similar thing. You look at something like Ed Ed and Eddie. And that thing has like a weird life, life comedy anime-ness to it, almost. The regular show is like a mumblecore movie on roids. And it's all... It's all connected, and it was, it is and was always all connected. There's this kind of like realization that happened in in the world of art in the world of in the world of anime when um shows like shows like um, Steven Universe came out start, started starting out in that like everyone's like like this feels like an anime it feels like American take on the magical girl genre what's happening here and eventually 
creative like Rebecca Sugar would almost definitely be. Almost definitely, I was a Sailor Moon girl, y'all. And like, you start to see all to see all that, and that influence was because because of the ease of access. Like I keep saying, Crunchyroll got a lot of money for a basic basic subscription. Even a free tier that has less and less on it because. Ah, corporations, um, monopolistic corporation bullshit, basically. But there's something to be said for the pa for passive entertainment. And if you're like, what do you mean passive entertainment? The reason why Netflix has a auto timer that plays is because they want you to binge. They want it to feel passive. They want you you to feel like you're watching a a marathon TV block, not a, not picking and choosing every time. And if you, what, what do you mean, if you're like, what do you mean passive entertainment? Passive entertainment is entertainment you do not need to specifically engage with, with, to entertain you. Think movies, movies, TV, think, think movies, TV, think podcast, like you hit play and it happens at you. Active entertainment is video games, is reading, is board games, stuff like that. Stuff that requires your invested, invested effort to ring the ring the end out of. And, and a big problem with streaming is that streaming is that it a by default default active property, and that like you have to have to keep. Like, you have to control it. You have to, it. You have to re say, I want to watch this. I want to watch that. Or I want to switch between these things. It doesn't have the same kind of, like, all-encompassing drown-out white noise effect that TV can have. But the other thing that passive entertainment, like a TV channel, does is it creates opportunities for discovery. And what I mean by that is, you can, you could be watching some, you could be watching your favorite thing and you can pass out. You can pass out and wake up and all of a sudden, it's this beautiful ending, ending credits for something you've never seen. Gorgeous ethereal music and you, you see the red spider lilies. You see, you see guy with a fur shawl and a kimono with a big bear trap thing on his shoulder. And you see a girl riding alone in a, in a train. And your brain is like, what is this? I've never seen anything like this before. I want to see more. And they've got, and they've got, or in my case, you see, see, a kid alone, alone, in a giant robot, shaped like a shaped like a woman, and you're like, you're like, what is? And it, it that discovery, that that moment of this is new, and I want to find out more, is what led to a generation of otaku in my age range. It, but it's. And it's what can't necessarily, it's what 
doesn't necessarily need to happen, but also can't happen necessarily happen now. Because so much of what's being served to you is what is what has already been served to you, and so much of what you're seeing is edited down for what you like. And if you don't have somebody you feel like you can ask, like, hey, I've heard about this anime thing. What, like, what should I watch? And if that person does not know you well enough, they will give you some bad op, bad option, and you'll be left to suss out from there. There, but then you don't, then you, then you, there's a point. You don't see much anime in your in your daily life. You are not like intent on seeking it out. One of the biggest, um, one of the weirdest jobs I ever had was I worked full time for a, for a data, for a big data, big data marketing technology firm, firm out for a couple years. My boss, my boss was cokehead. Um, I'm not kidding, kidding. And the thing that it, thing that it taught was how, how, it, or made me aware of is how much, much algorithm is is in your life like how how clearly it's there and so now when i'm using things like tiktok or i'm using things like instagram or anything that's got an algorithm behind it i know it's there and i like and even in the early days of facebook my friends would be like how do you have such a good facebook feed your facebook feed is so good why is it mine? I'm like, because I know, like, I know that it's there. Like, I'm grabbing it by the horns and I'm steering it the way I want it to go. But for lots of people, tech, that level of technology just happens to them. And it, so what I want you to do here is I want you to moment and think about the first, first time encountered anime about how that happened and, and what led up to that, what you were watching b before that. And if you stop and think about it, you may, you may have come over, may have come over from sci-fi, you may have come over from Harry Potter, you may have come over from a bunch of things, but into something that was, something that was, you may have come over from traditional, from traditional, and it would be very easy to, to say, go from, and this is, hypothetical but I'm sure somebody out be out there it would be very easy to to go from Harry Potter to Owl House to Sailor Moon like that that is a clean sweep of a thing but it's also very easy to go from Sailor Moon to Harry Potter to Owl House like it, it that could a very clear connect in my mind um which J.K. Rowling and her bullshit notwithstanding. But the... That kind of discovery ha has always happened and will always happen, but the... The thing that's missing without terrestrial television is not... It's not reality TV, to be honest. Like, reality TV will always be produced. It is slightly shittier now than it was because it's slightly more honest, honest with it, what it is. But the thing that's missing is spontaneous spontaneous is 
running into a movie, a movie evening is run, is running into saying things that you don't see on purpose. And that's the kind of beauty of cable, and that's why so many streaming networks are struggling so much at their core because they don't have that kind of that kind of, of cable. They have the the kind of oppressive insane on demand. And for Cartoon Network Network to be there anymore, for for that for that to appear, what that means for is that there's a one way to discover her. To go on a journey of discovery. To if you have a cable subscription still, which there are plenty of people who do, but there are also plenty of people who, like, have cut the cord. If you haven't cut the cord, to sit down and watch something at, say, 9.30 and drift off and wake up to something you've never... You might, ha- you might not have ever seen before. You might have heard of but didn't know was on Adult Swim yet. You know... Those pro the people who are doing all the programming, all the licensing over at Adult Swim, over at Toonami, over at the programming block, and even over at Cartoon Network and Network in general, were putting that stuff up there because they because they thought because for two reasons, two reasons really thought that it deserved to be seen by people, people, and they looked at it and they thought they thought to themselves this could be somebody's favorite cartoon. And that's a, a macabre thought I have all the time whenever I come out of like a bad movie or I, I listen to a bad song. It's like I have this like sinking feeling of like, oh, I feel really bad, really bad. Because this is going to be somebody's favorite thing, favorite thing. And it's bad, bad. But the reverse can also, can also be true. Billy and Mandy is, I'm sure, sure, people's favorite cartoon. My gym, my gym partner, Monkey, is like something somebody really remembers fondly. <laughs> and without that discovery, without that like little touch of randomness in your life, that gets a lot harder. That that puts it on. That puts it not on. That puts more responsibility on the viewer to seek out something that could be their favorite than the programmer to serve it than the media companies. To serve it to us. Gone are the days where you could turn on stars, where you turned on stars kids, and all of a sudden you were watching Kiki's delivery service 10 minutes in, and your kid is like, and your little girl's like, what is this? This is incredible. And you're like, what is this? This is incredible. And then you have, you have a mad about creative burnout. <laughs> And I just think the world's kind of worked for that. Like, like we 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 fucked it up. We like had a, a valuable thing, and we we have crushed it largely in the name of sque- of squeezing money out of a stone that didn't need to happen. Because once again, I don't want to be anti-capitalist, Alex. Here, this network is another victim of the HBO, HBO three plus. Time massacre mess that is that is can happen. It it's not it's not great. The fact that 
the fact that Cartoon Network work a entity that could continuously find things that weren't necessarily always profitable, but were like cult classics and put them on television is getting just destroyed for for seemingly just because da like David Zadloff believes that that's not what people want when he's clearly wrong is insane and shouldn't be tolerated. David Zadloff is a, I will say it here, piece of shit because he believes that the cheapest kind of programming that you can produce it's the kind of kind of program people want the most because because the stuff that in his match will watch the most, and and that's not true. Like what? If the internet has taught us anything. What what we are doing on the internet is not necessarily what we really want from the internet. It's just what we do because the powers that be have programmed this stuff to fuck our brains up. To just keep to just keep doing the passive thing, so I so I and this is probably where I'll leave it. I I watch this show on HBO on HBO called, and the hype is is a star design competition in the vein of some of something like, um, Project Runway. But the big thing with the hype is, I'm of the firm belief that all the clothes suck. The, all the clothes are psychotically bad. Like, they are trash clothes for the most part. And hilariously, like, the person who produces the least trash clothes usually wins that show. At least if the first season is any, like, um, indication. And the other part about the hype is they are doing so much work on that show to give that show a kind of gravitas and a kind of importance to make you give a shit about the judges, to make you give a shit about the host, to make you care about, like, this thing that clearly doesn't matter. When you first watch something like, something like, you know, Project Runway, Heidi Klum is a household name in Gun was a big deal because of his connection to the art world. Like, it, it was a it was a big deal because it was a big deal. Not because you had, like, your editor hype, editor hype, cutting together cool, re, cool, cool of you walking into the room. And the difference, the difference was striking in quality, quality of, in quality of the show, in, quali in quality of, product being produced by the contestants so it's just, just it's like night and day and I, I, I watch it because it's interesting and it's fucking it's beguiling and befuddling to me of like people don't really want to wear this shit do they am I, am I just not ghetto fabulous enough like, I'm pretty fashionable, and I think this is trash. <laughs> but the long and short of it is, it's like, that's what the powers that be want to produce. This is stuff 
That's the stuff they want to make. They want to make things that are throwaway, that are, that are, that maybe, that have substance to them, that have something to say, but are kind of hollow entertainment. They, they're not, they're not having a, a real station about a whole lot. A lot. The storylines are contestants and their backstories and their backstories are, will always be slightly the same. Whereas things like scripted programming, things like animation, things like anime, what more expense to produce, produce are, are, are meaningful to the viewer. And the problem with that is you have to get the viewer to watch, watch them. You, like, Netflix has to get you, you to watch Fate Apocrypha. <laughs> in order for you to get anything out of Fate Apocrypha. What, and Fate Apocrypha is also a big time sink. And one of the advantages to um, terrestrial television, to cable TV, to a, cable, to a TV channel, is it's out of your control. It's like an omniscient thing. You don't turn on, you never turn on Carson, you never turned on Carson Network thinking, I'm going to control what I see here. You turned on Cartoon Network and Billy and Mandy was on, you watched it. <laughs> or it, you made yourself sit down at an, appoint, at an appointed time for appointment television to watch a whole episode of Dragon Ball Z or a whole episode of this, episode of this or episode of that. Or you would turn on the channel guide if you what's up next. Oh, watch that. And you watch what came before, before you watch the results and you watch what came, the thing you wanted to, wanted to watch. That kind of surrender of control allows the people in charge, charge to make some decisions, to make some real decisions, make some real decisions. No, we're going to show them Outlaw Star. No, no. We're show them an episode of Cowboy Bebop, an episode of, Out an episode of Outlaw, and we're going to finish it off with three episodes, three episodes of show. And maybe, 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 you know what? Take that down to two, ep two episodes of the and we'll throw in an episode of Pilot Candidate. Which episode? Uh, what episode are we up to? Ep episode 5. Why not? Did they see the episodes that came before? Who knows? But maybe I episode 5 will fucking get them. Um, pilot, by the way, Pilot Candidate, that show never finished. <laughs> if you've ever watched Pilot Candidate, you're like, what's the end of the show? Guess what? Nobody knows! And the... That kind of experimental nature, at least from the end of Car in the terms of Carson Network, is now gone. And that's not good. But that's where I'm going to end it. And on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes come out every Thursday and every other Sunday, except for this one because I missed last Sunday. Um, um, and... Usually the Thursday shows are about something specific. Um, the Sunday shows are more more broad. They're more metatextual. They're more, more fandom based. They're more industry. -based, they're more animation based kind of thing. Um, kind of like this one. Um, but until next time, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio, and I'll talk to you on th you on Thursday.